let me begin with these words. It's about time. And today it's all about daylight savings time. A source of some confusion as we see here. Watch this. This is the story of Henry Lovegood. Henry lived a simple life. But on this day, a Sunday like any other, Henry would make one fatal mistake. It's in the way he prepared himself for that one fateful Sunday. Oblivious to what awaited him, Henry left his home never to return the same. Don't get left behind. Set your clocks back for daylight savings. If you fail to turn your clocks back one hour last night, you'd be an hour early to everything this morning. Just like the guy in the video, Henry was to church. And as in the Left Behind series of books, Henry thought that the rapture had happened. And when all of God's people would be taken in an instant to heaven, and he too, as the Bible says, had been left behind. So when we say it's about time, as we begin today, it's all about daylight savings time as we get this day started. But the real nugget of truth when it comes to being all about time is that time really has three parts to it. Time has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And we can see that every day. There is a beginning, a middle, and an end to each day. It's also true of life because there's a beginning, a middle, and the end of our lives here on earth. And that's really important, that each day we have a good beginning, and we have a good middle, and particularly we have a good ending to that day. The same is true when it comes to our lives. It's really important that we have a good beginning, and that we have a good middle, and that we particularly have a good ending to our lives. As a matter of fact, a couple of months ago, God and I had this pretty frank discussion about the end of my life. You see, I'm three years older right now than my grandfather was when he died of colon cancer. And so for the very first time in my adult life, I was admitted into the hospital. The issue was my digestive tract. It was all out of whack. And honestly, I thought this could be the big one for me, that this could lead to my death. When consumed with that thought, I said this to God. If this is how my life is going to end, I ask you to guide me through this, even though I know it'll be difficult, because after it's all over here, I'll see you face to face, which fortunately turned out for me not to be true yet. Well, most of us probably haven't faced death and probably haven't had that kind of discussion with God about the end of our lives here on earth. The truth is that God has told us all about our time as human beings, all about our time as humanity here on earth. And it begins with the words from Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Watch now as this video depicts the time here on earth as the Bible describes it with its beginning, turbulent turmoil of its middle, and the suddenness of its end. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said... Let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, and it was good.
something bad for his church. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. I want you to know, church, that Jesus Christ could come this month. Or he might come next week. Or he could even come... You'll notice in that video that there was the announcement of the beginning of time. There was the announcement of the middle of time. But there was no announcement prior to the end of time when, with that loud noise, all the believers were in an instant taken up to heaven. But afterwards, there was this announcement, which appeared on the screen, from Matthew 24, 27 in the New American Standard, which said, For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, it will come in an instant at the end of time when Jesus returns. And 1 Thessalonians 5th chapter in the NIV tells us much more about this, beginning in verses 1 and 2. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. In other words, no need to speculate about the timing of this because no one really knows. But the day of the Lord is indeed coming. And the day of the Lord refers to Christ's return to earth. Now, Matthew's 24th chapter, verses 30 and 31 in the NIV tells us this. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect. In other words, he will gather all those who believe in him. And this is how that gathering will take place. As Jesus tells us in Matthew's 24th chapters, we get to verses 40 and 41. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other will be left. Just as we saw in the video with the people in the church after the majority there had been taken up. It's the same thing. And that's why back in verse 30, it says all the nations of the world were mourned because there are so many people in each nation who don't believe in Jesus. But as for now, we see in 1 Thessalonians 5, this is we get to verse 3. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. There's labor pains on a pregnant woman. They will not escape. And you see, this describes perfectly our world today. The time we live in right now, where our collective thinking in the Western world could be described as postmodern. doesn't mean that every one of us thinks this way. What it means is, though, overall we are trending towards the majority of people thinking this way. And that way of thinking has as its foundational fact that there is no absolute truth in existence at all. And without absolute truth in existence, that means that God and the Bible are merely reduced to an option. Take any 10 people off the street and all 10 of their beliefs are equally valid. Like those wanting to choose a Democratic president believe their point of view is the correct one. They're convinced of it and the Republican point of view is the incorrect one. Or those that want to choose a Republican president believe their point of view is correct. They're convinced of that, while the Democratic point of view is the incorrect one. In the spiritual arena, whether they actually believe in a Christian God, or they believe in an Islamic God, or they believe in Buddha, or they believe in no God at all, 
or whether they believe in New Age crystals, or they believe in fortune tellers, or they believe in tarot card readers, or they believe in the boogeyman. All are equally valid because some people really believe in them. Thus, God and the Bible are just another way to look at things, another thing to believe in that doesn't make them universally true for everyone. So what God is saying here in these words from 1 Thessalonians 5.3 is while people are saying peace and safety, they don't realize what's to come. They think everything is fine. Yet as the scripture says, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. And some might ask, what's God trying to do here? Is he trying to, to scare us or frighten us? And the answer is no. He's merely trying to tell us what's coming. It's kind of like if you saw someone standing out in the road and a car was barreling down on them and going to run them over, wouldn't you call out to them? And that's what God's doing here. It's just like this sign on the road of a crosswalk in England, which tells people not to look to the left, but rather to look right before crossing that very busy street. Due to the fact that cars are coming the opposite direction, from what they are in many countries like here in America because they drive on the opposite side of the road from us. And I can't tell you those signs thankfully saved me a couple times when I was in England as I, out of habit, looked left to see any cars coming, started to step out in the street, but it saved me from the cars that were actually rushing towards my right. And that's all God's trying to do here. Simply tell us how it is. Like that speeding car that came whizzing at me in the opposite direction. God says that destruction will come on them. Suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, they will not escape. In other words, God loves us all. He created each one of us. He doesn't want any of us to be hit by such destruction in any way, surprisingly or unknowingly, when the day of the Lord comes. Because he cares about each of us deeply. Thus, continuing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, when we get to verses 4 and 6 in the NIV, we read, But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. In other words, you know it's coming, so don't let it surprise you. Indeed, it may come when we still are here on earth. But it goes on to say, You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness, so then let us not be like others who are asleep but let us be awake and sober. I don't know about you guys, but when I wake up, I'm a lot like the person on the screen who's fallen asleep in their bowl of cereal in the morning. I'm also kind of like the guy who gets to work and he has fallen asleep with a cup of coffee in each hand. That definitely for me is a time when I'm between being asleep and being fully awake. And I think there are a lot of people living like that spiritually. They sense there's something greater in life, but they don't really know what it is. They're asleep spiritually. And I think God wants us to have concern for these people. That's part why I think he gave us this particular scripture. And as for me, I have concerns for those, even in my own family, some who grew up in the church, but now don't really believe in God. I have concerns for my grandson, who at this age could so easily be led astray. I have concerns for my friend's father who's old. He's in ill health. He believes in God, but he believes in some unusual version that rejects the saving power of God's son, Jesus. I have concerns for friends who have brothers and sisters in their family who are spiritually and 
dark places and are asleep to God. And we all probably have such people as friends, and most of us may probably have such people right in our own families. And when you stop and think about it, man, it breaks our hearts for all who don't believe. But God doesn't want us living, however, with broken hearts, because continuing in this fifth chapter of 1 Thessalonians, when we get to verse 8 in the NIV, we read, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. What does a breastplate cover? Well, obviously it covers your heart. In other words, God is saying, I'm not telling you about all this, about the day of the Lord and the unforeseen coming judgment and destruction so that you will be brokenhearted for all those who are spiritually asleep. Brother, I'm telling you this so that you can be confident, so you can remain sober and clear-headed about all this for yourself, but also so you could protect your heart and your concern for others with faith and with love. How do you do that? Well, you do that the same way my parents did for me. Although I grew up in church, went to youth group, went to church camp, when I became adult, I fell asleep spiritually. I focused my attention on things other than God. And in slipping away from God's light, I slipped into some spiritual darkness. But my mom and my dad, man, they remained sober and clear and engaged with me in faith and love. And although I know their hearts were breaking for me in my distance from God, they prayed for me each day that I would move from my spiritual darkness towards God's light. And that was their breastplate of faith and love. And God wants you and me to put that over our hearts and do the same thing. Pray daily for your friends and your family who are asleep spiritually. Although it may seem like a very long shot to you that you'll never personally have the opportunity to turn them towards or influence them for God, don't give up and become discouraged. Because let me say, I was a pretty tough case and a pretty hopeless case. But God can use anyone anywhere to influence them. In fact, that may never ever be you, but your faith and your love will lay a foundation and will grease the skids of their spiritual life, if you will, for that to happen. Just this past Sunday while downtown we were feeding the homeless, I went through the line and I asked who would like to be prayed for. One man said, I don't believe in God. I said, okay, but that doesn't change the fact that he's real. You didn't believe in me that I was real before today, yet here I am standing right before you. And it's the same way with God who sent us to share his love with you in this way. And then rather amazingly, I looked into his eyes and his face and they lit up, filled with wonder. And I wouldn't be surprised if someone wasn't praying for that young man, protecting their own heart with the breastplate of faith and love through their prayers. Obviously, the man I spoke to wasn't ready for a street side conversion, but God may have opened the door in his life just a crack for his light to enter in. And so the scripture also says that we're to put on the hope of salvation as a helmet. What do helmets do? Well, they protect your head and what's inside your head, your mind. And as I spoke earlier about being in the hospital a few weeks ago, I have to tell you that my mind then was filled with thoughts of dread and gloom. And the helmet I was wearing then probably looked like this one on the screen, designed by a mad scientist. And the mad scientist was me with wires and connections trying to figure out how to fix my dilemma of ill health and fear. But my big talk with God in it He removed that helmet, and he replaced it with a helmet of salvation. 
And although I, I couldn't really see it all completely and what it looked like, it meant no matter what happened to me, he was there. He was with me every step of the way. And he would be there for me in a saving way in the end. And although none of us can ever get a really clear all at once look at that helmet of salvation we wear to figure it out, it nonetheless covers you. And it covers you with hope no matter what it is you're going through or what fears you have for yourself. And it covers you with hope for others you know and love who are spiritually asleep. First Thessalonians 5th chapter says as we come to verse 9 in the NIV, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God does not want us to suffer. Thus, he's given us clear direction in putting faith and love on as a breastplate and hope as a helmet of salvation. In other words, he's saying, don't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes. Rather, be ready. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 12 and 13 in the message reiterates this in a different way. It says that we don't see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. And we'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. For right now, until that completeness... We have three things to lead us towards that consummation. We have faith steadily in God. We have hope unswervingly. And we have love extravagantly. And that will lead us to this consummation. Our bathing those three things, faith, hope, and love, in and through our prayers. For James 5.16 in the New Living Translation says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So pray for those who are apart from God. And all this is to say, don't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes. Rather, be ready. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 through 17 in the NIV tell us, According to the Lord's own word, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with a trumpet call. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. And again, all of this is to say, don't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes. Rather, be ready. Again, God tells us this not to make us scared or not to make us frightened, but to assure us and to relax us in the faith and the hope and love that we have expressed in prayer and in the living out of our lives. Crystal Lewis echoes this in the words and in the tone of her song entitled, People get ready. Listen in. Lord, I'm ready now. Waiting for your triumphant return. This world has nothing for me. I find my peace and joy solely in. 
Let me close with this from Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 in the RSV. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. This certainly has come to pass, hasn't it? Just look at the tenor of the upcoming election next Tuesday, which has been much more about the mention of evil than good. So God encourages you to make the most of your time so that you won't get left behind in any of the great things he has for you in this life or in the next. Will you pray with me? Great God, we thank you so much for your son. We thank you so much, Father, for the gift of time, and we ask that we might make the most of it. Because we know, Father, someday our lives will end, and someday the world will end. And with the way things are going, those two things could collide. The world might even end before we leave this earth. But Father, help us not to be scared or frightened by that, but just to understand that's the way it is. Because when our lives end here on earth, we're going to see you face to face. And let me tell you what, there's nothing on earth could ever compare to that. We'll be with you day by day for eternity. And although we don't understand completely what that looks like, help us to not be frightened of that, but to actually rejoice in the fact that that awaits us all. So be with us, Father, and help us to make the most of the time that you've given us. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen.